The Happiest Man on Death Row, a sad title for perhaps an even sadder crime. Immediately, you and I both know that something is off here. How can anyone be happy on death row? Tonight, we will hear about the tragic story of one man's persecution and how wrong everything is and can be. He's going to open up with a song. I mean, I'm cool with that. <laughs> it, I mean, we're, she's like ready for the shot. No, no, I'm just, I'm just. Go ahead. Open I'm up with also it. ready no. for the shot. I, this yeah. is still like, I've done a good job with our shots. So. What the fuck is with these lights, man? Go ahead and open up with the thing. Right. I got to fix these damn lights. You got to say your thing. Welcome to talk murder. No, you feel like you ready to go. So no, we that's are not what I, No, that's not we what I was doing. We are thankful for surprise shots and we are ready to get into them. Okay. If y'all are ready. I Ooh, am so ready. Dust on here from the floor. I really like these headphones. They just look really weird, right? Yeah, they look like they you're look channeling Nash Notch. <laughs> but they're so comfortable. Especially for doing this. Yeah. Well, you know, you look very comfortable right now. I'm in my Joe Rogan chair. chair. It's my Joe Rogan chair. Thank you so much for our Patreon supporters. Merry Christmas. What the fuck? That was your Christmas present. Christmas ain't until next month. It's exactly 30 days from tomorrow. You can't. You know, you know, I better have something under that tree. I'm just saying. I got you a little something. A little. It better be as expensive as this. Oh, screw that. You know what? My my present is already under the tree, which is the floors. <laughs> yeah, that is the present, which, which cost ten times as much as this chair. Yeah, my present is going to be pictures from catalogs. That I'm going to cut out and give to you guys. Because <laughs> that's I about where my bank account is I right now. Are, are you cutting out a tree too? <laughs> no, I I, I, I have construction a tree. paper. Maybe I was going to make a gratitude tree. I forgot. You were? Yeah, but I don't know. I just found something probably more important. I can't remember what it was. Something not to do with you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I was jerking it or something. You know what would be a great idea? A gratitude tree. I'm not going to remember this in the morning, but. (laughs) Well, I'm thankful for you guys. I'm thankful for you. And we're having our very own Thanksgiving together in just a couple hours yes when we're done recording the turkey will be done yes popped surprise shots surprise shots we don't know what they are because they're a surprise we don't know who this one was for do we that is for megan thank you megan thank you megan Ooh, i like that grapefruit oh that was really good that was Kinky Ruby, uh, a fusion of grapefruit, kiwi, and elderflower. I like that. I, elderflower. I could drink that is like that from juice the, straight up. Is that from the elderberry? Yes. No, yeah. elderflower. I think, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Can we open this? I think we should. I really want to. Um, so we got a, a package in the mail from Taco Supremo D. It's addressed to... John and Nicole Perry and Ken Jollins. <laughs> I like that this Ken Jollins thing is really picking it's up speed. It's on. I didn't. I didn't. I saw you it commenting to. on our uh, on the blog as Ken Jollins as well. I did. New Mexico Pinon Coffee. Hell yeah! Woo! 
Oh, nice. Ooh. All right, Jen, you pick which one you want. You want the chocolate one? Uh, there's two. There's another box in here. Oh, shit. Ooh. Look at that. Oh, we're going to fight each other for this mug. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Ah! You can have the mug so you don't have to fight anyone. I have an obsession with mugs. I freaking love coffee mugs. Thank you, D. <gasps> that coffee is bomb. Bussin. OMG. I mean, seriously, I have an obsession with coffee mugs. It's kind of a problem. So this past week, I got a couple of messages. One from our good friend, Br our good friend Brandon. Hey, Brandon. He said, I mentioned it to John on the comments, but you were talking about the Knowledge Generation Bureau. I wanted to work for them so bad, he said. So oh, when yeah. I was talking oh. about the KJB, those... Oh, that, the KGB? KGB. That was the Knowledge Generation Bureau. Oh. I, this is a thing that you were talking about where you call someone? There yeah. was a text, text number, and you could... It was like Google, but text message. So, yeah, he says uh, on his comment, now that makes sense. Oh, no, I said that. Um, no, he said Jen was talking about the Knowledge Generation Bureau. It was a text service that had experts answer things instead of using a SEO style answer. Kind of like a Quora. What's that site? Oh, Quora. Quora. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Quora. Yeah, but you just text it. That's ah, weird. I mean, why, why I've never they, heard that before. Yeah, really? Why would, they, they, why would no. they name it KGB? Like, why would they name it KGB? They I mean, had to do that on purpose. someone finds yeah. it funny. So yeah, there is someone out there that's like, let me text the KGB. KGB. Yeah. But as a <laughs> business, I mean, no one. Well, the, by that time, the KGB was no longer the KGB. I know, but it's just like, if you're going to open a business, you don't want to like alienate people and have them not text because they think it's the freaking government. I don't know. Of Russia. Um, Luke sent a message to the Instagram account said wow love you guys and just stumbled across your cast on Navia Buchanan I live in the shitty mm. little town she was murdered and her grandmother was a cashier at my local grocery store my boss donated a bunch of wreaths in the weeks following the discovery of her body it was a gross and weird time in Monroe Michigan thanks for your work love you guys Luke oh wow I remember oh, that cool. one Rachel says about the Andre Chikatilo the Russian one that we did the serial killer mm-hmm you remember when I said that his blood DNA was different from his semen DNA? Yes, mm -hmm. yes. Yeah, so she says, I believe it's called a non-secretor. Ew. Ew. Ooh, that's like one of the worst words, secrete. I think. Secrete. Oh, I'm about to secrete. I'm about to secrete. <laughs> <laughs> I'll secrete me, baby. Oh secrete me, baby. Oh, God. Duh. Ooh, I think, so, uh, like, a lot of people are, are freaked out by the word moist. I think, like, that's the appropriate word for, like, Cake. cake like you got it's it's moist that's it that's what it's supposed to be so it doesn't freak me out but yeah secrete secretion Ooh. um also when we say andre's last name it always reminds me of abba chiquitita tell me what's wrong i think john started playing that the other day on guitar and i was like yes play did you see abba. the new did you see the new um mama mia two no yeah. oh well we can watch that was it good it was okay. I think they're making a third one, actually. All right, one more last thing before we get started. So don't hold me to the 300 by the first. Probably not going to happen. Why you say that? It well, was my fault. Well, somebody decided to rip all the fours we out of the damn house. blame me. It's fine. So I might not make that, but I will still do the 300 bucks. And all this is my uh, cash 
and I don't have a lot of it, but so I still will do the three hundred dollars for the um for the person that gives me the episode on the three hundred one. Well, we might be able to make it because I could come over like a couple of days during winter break. But I still gotta research the damn things. That's what I'm saying. Oh yeah. So if I can do, I still more- have to do my research on the Lizzie Borden story. There you go. That can catch us up by one. Every time I release an episode, there's gonna be a drawing on the blog and all you got to do is leave a comment and this is just to show my appreciation to you guys commenting on this blog because it really makes me happy seeing you guys talking and we're having some good conversations and stuff so those those guys that leave comments anyway it'd be super easy leave the comment right above the comment box you'll see a little a little box and you just enter the you in and then you enter the email that you use to comment and make sure it's the email address that's linked to your Amazon account because every week I'm going to give away $25 Amazon gift card on a weekly basis. And it's going to be a random drawing for the commenters, but I'm not going to email you or anything. It's just going to be sent directly to that email address, a $25 gift card. Amazon's got it set up like that where you can just do that. Is Ken Jollins eligible? Ken Jollins is not eligible. <laughs> no, anyone's eligible. Anybody's eligible. You leave a comment and you can enter. You can actually enter three times. So if we do three episodes a week, you have three chances, basically. Just leave a comment, a, you know, a good comment or, or whatever. Shout, shout me out or whatever. And then just put your email address in there that you already put to use your comment anyway. So we'll do that and see how it works. That's just a little uh, present for me. Get back to you guys. You know, Merry Christmas. But today's story is a request from Malachi. Oh, Malachi. Hot damn, Malachi. This is actually a, a fantastic story. And the next story after this one, this is kind of an old school story. And I don't know, I'll, the name of the guy of the story is Joe Arity. Have you heard of him? Mm-mm. Nobody? Oh, yeah, I didn't think you would. But that's that's the story we're doing today for the next episode We've got a request for another Randy Starish episode. Hmm. I actually really liked that episode. Yeah, I did too. Not only that, but a lot of people are loving that episode. It was a good conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and a lot of, I mean, people just didn't know about that guy at all, you know? So we got a request to do another one. It's kind of a smaller story, but there's a really interesting link between two killers that that uh, I'll kind of go into on that story. But anyway, let's get started with this one. All right, so anyway, if this is your first episode, my name is John. Welcome to the Talk Murder to Me podcast. I'm here with Jen and Nicole. And today's episode, we're going to be talking about the case of Joe Arity. You can find all these photos and evidence and stuff like that on talkmurder.com. Just click on the post there. You'll see it front and center. And you can comment on there if you want and get a chance to win a gift card. Looking at the picture you see right there that I'll put on talkmore.com, mm-hmm. can you tell me when do you think this story takes place? 1950s. Uh, yeah. 62. They were 62. So describe what you're looking at. So two girls. So I'm showing you two, two girls, one younger, one older. They're sisters. Okay. I will say the one on the left looks like the actress that plays Allison in Pretty Little Liars. I never saw that show. <sighs> I can't remember her name, but she does look like her. 
So you're going to describe these people or not? Well, the first girl has her hair pulled back and she's wearing like a, a sleeveless dress. Maybe like 15 years old, I'm going to say. Yeah, 16 maybe. Uh, and the other is y- much younger. Although she's wearing lipstick. Yeah, she is wearing lipstick. So either she's younger. Trying to look older. Or she's the older sister but died younger and because that photo looks much older. Yeah. Well, you know why girls wore lipstick back then, right? Why? <laughs> you think I'm going to say something sexist or something? I am no, not you. your response. <laughs> you would never do that. No, the reason why girls wore lipstick and why it was so became so popular is because during the Depression, the Great Depression, you could go and a, a woman could go and buy a cheap thing of lipstick and make yourself feel better feel better about herself and be more confident in the in the depression era where everyone is struggling and suffering it was so is cheap... this the 1920s well that's no it's not in the 1920s but well, that's close. where it looks like where the picture is taken because of it is like a, yeah that so maybe the 30s but that's look. where that's where lipstick got got really popular hmm, you know, from i will say i don't like the way that i look with lipstick i, I think either. it makes me look gaudy i don't like it. it's either. just i don't know i feel like it's caked on and i look weird with a dark lip are you putting it on right? <laughs> I also have really thin lips. Like, I don't have, like... No, uh... Stuff there. Thin, thin lips and a fat, flat ass. <laughs> so. you say flat ass? Yeah, flat ass. <laughs> like the earth. Like, it, like <laughs> I, have, I have an old man's ass. Pancake. <laughs> yeah, pancake. pancake. We're going to 10 p.m. August 15th, 1936. Oh. We're going to Pueblo. Do you know where Pueblo, Pueblo. is? Yeah. Pueblo. Pueblo. Colorado. There you go. Colorado. 1536 Stone Avenue, Pueblo, Colorado. This is the home of Riley and Peggy Drain. Now, who you're looking at right there are the daughters of the Drains. This is the Drain murder we're talking about. So mm. these two girls here... Both sisters, even though they really don't look like sisters to me Mm-mm-mm. at all. They are both, or one of them is about to get murdered. They're both about to get brutally attacked. Oh, no. The youngest one, which is the one there on the right, she's the only survivor in 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 this, in this tragic event that happened in 1936. 1536 Stone Avenue. All right, the drain house consisted of Dorothy, which is her on the left. She is 15 years old. Barbara, she is there on the right. She's 12. That's the one with lipstick, which is kind of weird. Well, maybe the other one is wearing lipstick. Mm-hmm. I, I do see that actress that you're talking about, though. I, I know I've seen an actress that looked like her. Google it real quick. Allison from Pretty Little Liars. I don't know what her name is, though. Allison from Pretty Little Liars. Allison DeLaurentis. DeLaurentis. That was a character name. Okay, she's she is played by. Is it Bethany? Sasha, oh, Sasha. Pederfirst. <laughs> Sasha Peter. Sasha Petrus. 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 Sasha Petrus. P i e t e r s e. Yeah, she does look just like her. Holy shit. Yeah, you're right. Damn, good call. Can you show in a quiz? There was also a a younger son there billy he was nine years old but he wasn't i don't think he was there that night i think he was with mom and dad even though 
I didn't see where they took him with them because both of them, both mom and dad were in town still, but they were at like this banquet. Okay. So dad, and when I say dad, I meant uh, Riley Drain and Peggy Drain, his wife. And this is 1936. So this is after the Great Depression, right? It just kind of ended, I think, in the 30s, right? 31 mm, or something like that. Yeah, early 30s. Both the mother and father were at a banquet for Riley, the father's job. His job was he worked with Parks and Rec, mm. like that show. He worked yeah. on a show. Great he, show. He was the casting agent of that show. So False. He was not. <laughs> but do you know uh, Roosevelt's New Deal? Yes. Okay, what was that? Um, he enacted programs that were funded by the government um, that helped put Americans to work and that helped create infrastructure mm-hmm. in the United States. Mm-hmm. Like so, I think the Hoover mm-hmm. Dam was part of that, mm-hmm. right? Highways and uh, railroads. Yeah, so exactly. And parks and recreation centers. Oh, yeah. He was the one that um, put the state park like protection onto the state parks well he's the one that ultimately built all the parks because that i mean it provided jobs to build all the parks like during the depression they're not building parks and shit right everyone's suffering and they didn't really have parks to begin with that's what his new deal was i don't really know too much about it but i do know that dad riley worked at like not directly under roosevelt or whatever but in that organization that was directly uh, put in place by Roosevelt. I think the um, uh, Golden Gate Bridge was part of the New Deal as well. So they were at this banquet dance until about 2 a.m. Now, they left their kids at home, the daughters right there, and because they're only be gone for a few hours. They'll be back at 2. There's nothing going to happen to the to them, right? They'll keep the lamp on. Lock the doors. Everything's fine. They come back and things are not fine. The first thing the mother notices, and this is 2 a.m. when they come home, is the light is off. So she had turned the light on and then the daughters went to bed. So the light being off right there told the mother something's not right because the daughters were already in bed and they're not going to get up and turn the light off. Does it make sense? And I'm, when I'm saying light... The newspapers that I was looking at, they said the word lamp instead of light. So it's not like a light switch. I think it was a burning lamp. Like a lantern or like something. Like a lantern or something like that. So that was, it was completely dark in the house. The mother knows instantly something is wrong. Now, before we get to the brutal murder and stuff like that, I got to shout out the book I read for this. So as I said before, this is a request from Malachi. Thank you so much, Malachi. This is a, this is a crazy story, fantastic story, and... Super happy that I read this book. This is one of the best books I've ever read. Wow. And look at, I mean, looking at it, it doesn't look like it, right? It looks like a freaking color book. Look how big it is. Yeah, it's a, it's a bar. It does look like a color book, actually. It's freaking huge. I was like, what like the hell picture is this? Book or like something. a serial killer color book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, I can't put this in my pocket and carry it around. I mean, it does not look like a true crime book. Anyway, it's called Deadly Innocence by Robert Persky. And... It is fan-freaking-tastic. This dude, he had heard about this case, and he, by himself, and the help of, you know, the counties involved and stuff like that, dug up all this information from what was left of it and put together 
a, an amazing book. And I'm, I know I say, I mean, this is one of the best I've read, and I didn't think it would be. I thought it would just be kind of, I mean, it looks like a freaking big-ass coloring book. <laughs> so anyway, that's what Nicole's going to be reading from tonight, and I'll put that on talkmore.com if you guys want to uh, go check that out. I have been getting a lot of people going and checking those books out, though, so it's kind of cool. Anyway, if you want to read this, Nicole. When the couple returned, the light in the front room was off. Once inside the home, Riley heard a groan. He hurried to the girl's bedroom and turned on the light. On a blood-soaked bed, he found Dorothy, a great gash in her back of her head. One of her eyes blackened and her mouth bruised. She was lying face down on the outside of the bed. Barbara, still groaning, was on the other side of the bed toward the wall, curled up. She had been struck on the head in the same manner as her sister. Both girls were clad in nightgowns. So both girls were struck with a sharp object, probably a hatchet, but... It wasn't at the scene, so the police, they don't know for sure, but the the but the girls, the skulls had the cut marks in it like you would see from a hatchet. But, I mean, it could have been a fucking sword, who knows, mm. like a samurai sword. Dorothy received a wound behind her ear that was nearly three inches long and had cut into her brain. The black eye and facial bruises showed that the perpetrator also had beaten her severely with fists, and she had been raped. So the teenage girl, 15-year-old, and her sister brutally bludgeoned the 15-year-old was dead, Mm. and she had been raped. So Barbara had two blows. This is the 12-year-old. Two blows, but from the blunt edge. So her skull wasn't cut in like Dorothy's was. You could see Dorothy's skull because when you hit it with an axe, that sharp part, that sharp part is going to penetrate the skull. Mm-hmm. Barbara, on the other hand, the twelve-year-old, they hit her with the blunt edge, which I don't think that's the the back of the axe. I think that's just not the uh, you know the uh, rectangle edge. That's the other end. Mm-hmm. Now, why wouldn't the perpetrator use the sharp end? I was trying to think of that. Maybe it's because. Well, you want to take a guess why? Like, why would you, why would you not use a sharp end? He didn't want to kill her. He did want to kill her. He thought he was dead. He thought she was dead. 100%. I feel like. He was afraid of blood. Maybe he felt the blood splatter would be worse with the sharp end. Like it would, it would go backsplash instead of just being able to hit and strike and, and you'd have to worry about it going into the skull and then pulling it out. Well, he did that with the older daughter. I, I don't know the reason. I didn't see that, but but I did put it in the notes because I thought it was kind of weird why he did that. What comes to my mind is it is after 2 a.m. or it is after midnight at this point and it's pitch black. The light was off. So and a town like this, especially going through the Depression, it's not like here in Mount Pleasant where everyone's got their lights on all the freaking time. And we got hue lights and they do all kinds of crazy disco shit. And like, then inflatables for Christmas. Yeah, like a big ass inflatable Santa. <laughs> it's not- It'll probably be up this weekend. Not at my house, at one of my neighbors. Our neighbor has the uh, the lights that flash at the house. They're mm. already up. The ones yeah. that like the, the ones that are not on the it's house, like a but laser the one, Yeah, out. yeah. I have to get my lights up, but I need a taller ladder to get some on the peak of the house. I don't know if this is why or not, but it is pitch black. It's not like today we have lights on all the time. In this neighborhood, 
you have that one lantern and most houses don't have it on because they're trying to conserve energy energy because they're, you know, they don't make a lot of money. Everyone works at the same mill downtown and everyone pretty much makes the same. So anyone that's burning a lot of lights that you won't see that. So what I'm trying to say is the whole neighborhood is pitch black, which means you can't see anything at all. You don't have any of that light pollution. So in my mind, I think he just mistakenly hit her from what the police said in their report. And what they're thinking was, is the perpetrator went in, hit the older girl, Dorothy, and started raping her at that time. And then probably didn't know about the younger girl, the younger girl, Barbara, and she'll she'll come to eventually. She was in a coma, but she starts screaming, hey, get out of here. Get out of here. Now he's freaking out. He's already got his pants off because he's, you know, doing his thing. And so he just picks up the axe and just hits her with it. I think it was a mistake that he did it. Hmm. I don't know, though. That's weird, because I don't think if you're going to go and rape a child, especially in this time, 1930s. I don't think you want to leave any witnesses. I'm just saying. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, you want to make sure they're dead. I know what you're saying. So, Barbara had two blows from the blunt edge. Her skull had not been penetrated. She was not raped. Her condition was grave. She was in a deep coma, but she she survived. She couldn't tell much. She couldn't tell much. So she didn't see what was going like well, not that she didn't remember. She couldn't remember. Plus, it all happened so fast. She did Mm. say that Obviously, a guy came in there when they were questioning her once she woke up. And this was several months later. She said, yeah, someone came in here and I was screaming at him, everything else. And the reason I'm saying that Mm -hmm. is because that there's going to be talk later of maybe there was two perpetrators instead of one. Oh, yeah. So this paper right here is the Times Shreveport, Louisiana, 11th, October, 1936. The title is how... The policeman's hunch solved the perfect crime at the victim's funeral. Funeral, read this. Where is Riley Drain? The man demanded. Oh, wait, hold on. Let me let me preface this. You have one dead girl, 15 year old, and everyone is up in arms about it. Now, this is during the time where they're, they're, they're lynching people for all kinds of stuff. So that's a real threat. You don't want to even be suspected of something like this because you will be lynched. And that was a real threat back then. So, and not only that, but there was so much pressure to solve this because these are regular working folks. He works directly under Roosevelt's new deal, you know, and, and and they're, they're not rich or anything, but they're just the everyday people. Mm -hmm. And this could screw up everything. So there's a lot of pressure for the police to solve this murder. And they'll do about damn anything to solve it. And we see that today. They do about damn anything to solve it. A lot of the, a lot of the cases. So what the sheriff did, and we see this a lot today, is he got a couple of his deputies and posted them up kind of incognitous at the victim's funeral. So this is so this is Dorothy, the 15-year-old's funeral. Now, they were kind of just mingling with the crowd and stuff like that. I I believe everyone knew they were deputies because in a town like this, you kind of know who people are, but maybe they weren't, maybe maybe they were just there for a respect thing. They weren't trying to be on duty or whatever. Anyway, there was a guy that came up to 
the deputies and the two deputies that were talking to him immediately immediately got a real suspicious vibe from him. And this is what they said. This is from the Times Shreveport, Louisiana, 11th, October, 1936. Where's Riley Drain? The man demanded. I know him well. I'm his friend. I ought to see him. I ought to go right there and stay with him. Why, I knew the little girls very well, knew them by their first names. The man babbled on and on. Butler and Mikitich exchanged glances, and when they compared thoughts later, they discovered that both arrived at the same conclusion simultaneously. This is the killer. Okay, so obviously that's kind of a leap, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're immediately saying that this is the killer. Some guy that just came and said, where's Riley Drain? Apparently the guy that came up used to work under Riley Drain. He was like, you know, one of his subordinate. And that's just going to show you that there's so much pressure to solve this. that They're literally pulling anyone that came up to him. And I mean, because he didn't say that much right there. And it turns out the guy worked with him and he was just trying to pay his condolences. But anyway, that is the guy. This is the guy. Definitely from what they thought. Now, let's talk a little bit about the crime scene real quick. The story is going to be kind of dense. So I'm going to kind of go through some things really quick. But it's really interesting. You guys will love it. There was a few footprints in the backyard leading to the alleyway. So the backyard was what was taken. All right, then these little details are extremely important. The backyard was taken. Okay, nothing in the house was stolen. Nothing was disturbed at all. There was no breakages of anything. It was it was a sneak in, sneak attack. The girls didn't. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, no, go ahead. I'll let you finish your thought. The girls didn't even know that there was someone there. He basically came in the front door. That's what they're thinking anyway, which should have been locked, but I guess it wasn't. Or maybe he came into the window. I mean, in 1936, houses weren't, you know, break in proof back then, I guess. You know what I'm saying? So the burglar came in or the perp came in, shut off the light, the lamp, blew it out or whatever, and then go straight to the bedroom, which you'll you'll hear in the reports later that the police were talking about, well, the killer must knew exactly where the bedrooms were. Well, if you hmm. Google how if if you Google Earth the house, at least the lot, I don't know if it's the same house that's there now, but it's even now it's a tiny house. You go in the front door, the kitchen's on the left the living room's on the right. And what, what else is there? It's a one-story place. So, obviously, the bedrooms are at the back. And then you just run out the back door, which is what happened. So Unless they knew the killer. Uh, yeah. And plus, I, I want to say, most of the houses, I believe, I'm not a historic house expert, but I believe they were pretty much all built the same. I mean, they're mm. all built the same now, pretty much. Yeah. A builder comes in and just builds About them all. A couple different templates, but yeah. Five feet away from each other. Yeah. So you can touch your neighbor's house. So so nothing was taken. Nothing was disturbed. Two weeks earlier, an elderly lady in the same neighborhood, two weeks earlier, and and you're probably like, well, why, didn't the, why did the parents let their 15-year-old and 12-year-old stay home after this? On Sunday, August 2nd, two weeks earlier before the drain murders, three blocks away, Sally Crumpley, the 72-year-old elderly lady, was killed in the exact same fashion. 
two other women were also attacked from behind, but unsuccessfully. So whoever did this, a man, one man tried to choke them, put them in a chokehold or whatever. And it was completely random. They, they weren't successful, but that was in the same neighborhood. What I'm trying to say is this one guy is doing this to this neighborhood from what it looks like. Also, right after that, a Miss R.O. McMurdy. McMurdy, like on the wire, right? McMurdy? No, that's McNulty. Oh, shit. Uh, Damn it. Why'd you ruin that for me? I just wanted to be Who's McMurdy? That is from something. Miss R.O. McMurdy, 58, was nearly killed by one guy. Same thing. Both heads bludgeoned with the same type of instrument in the same city pueblo right down the road from each other same is the same guy i mean come on let's just be honest it's the same fucking guy Mm -hmm. but the reason the reason i'm thinking because i was like well someone just got murdered two weeks ago why would you leave your kids at home yeah i don't think they probably even knew that because all right it's a pretty big town everyone works at the mill but it's not like social media where you just get news up to date vibrating your pants like like today you know what i'm saying like news travels pretty slow i don't know i don't know why No, you're right you're right i definitely wouldn't have left them girls home if it was me i don't know so anyway now the policemen at the funeral, they found the killer. And from this time on, this is going to be the killer. That's him because the the pressure that the police are feeling, the sheriff's feeling, is overwhelming. They got to put someone behind bars and they got to kill someone. Damn it. This is 1936. We got to freaking kill someone. This man was a Mexican man and a friend of the father's. They go into his, and I'm reading this directly from the newspapers, and I'll put these on talkmore.com, but... The, the two detectives go to his, quote, squalid one-room home, end quote, and he has several newspaper clippings tacked to the wall about the murder. Now, this is hmm. from the police report. I'm not saying any of this is true. This guy denied it basically until they put him to death, okay? Wow. So, but he denied it up and down. But there was a basket, and in the basket, the basket held firewood, under the firewood, they found a, quote, rusty head of a hatchet, end quote. They also, when asked if it wasn't bloody or anything, it should have been real bloody. When the media asked the sheriff, you know, was there blood on the hatchet? No, there, there was no blood on it. It's been washed off. You know, the blood's been washed off. That didn't mean mm-hmm. that there was any blood ever there, mm-hmm. but they they found this they're rusty... They're jumping to conclusions. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm trying to get you guys to figure yeah. out. Yeah. They're jumping pretty freaking hard at conclusions. Because they, are, they want to solve the case. They're trying to make it fit. Make the pieces fit. Okay, so here's, here's going to even validate that more. The chief of police, which is not a photography expert or a forensic expert of any kind takes photos of the dead girl, the the 15-year-old Dorothy Drain. They, I don't know how they did this in 1936, but he said he enlarged the photos. I don't know how he would do that. Maybe they had some technique or whatever. Mm. And then he matched the hatchet and the, the hatchet marks were identical to the marks left in her head 
Which, all right, I have several things wrong with this. Number one, it's not like you have 37 companies making hatchets. You you buying one hatchet, they're using the same freaking hatchet. Everyone's hatchet matches the freaking girl's head. If you're buying it at the local <laughs> hardware store, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. There's probably well, like one ma- manufacturer. Mm-hmm. Number two, everyone owns a damn hatchet. You got to cut firewood. True. Everyone owns a broken hatchet because hatches break. The things break off. Also true. Okay, that's two things with it. And number three... Show me the photos where you resized them and they match the girl's head. That's ridiculous. Plus, you're the Especially chief of police. Especially for the technology of that day. I know. Time. Plus, you're the chief of police. Like, what the hell? But you got to keep in mind, this whole time, not people want to see this. They, they not only want, but they're desperate to see this solved. So, they'll damn believe anything that's said. Anything at all. Mm. And you're about to see, they will believe anything that is put out there. Also, I want you to keep in mind that there's a $1,000 reward for the killer. It's a pretty good Put, reward. Putting the killer to justice, which is how much you think that is in, in today's terms. 10000 Oh, yes. 10000 almost exactly. Good guess. Boom. And this is a little conflict of interest, but I, apparently in Pueblo or maybe everywhere in the 1930s, even the arresting officers and the sheriff... Can claim the reward. Whoa! That is totally a conflict of interest right there. I know. I, think. I don't know. That sounds pretty legit to me. Because totes. Yeah. Because totes. ten thousand dollars to put somebody in prison. That's more than these floors. Ten, I mean, ten thousand. I mean, you ten thousand dollars. That's a that's a big sum. That's a lot of money. And that's all cash. Pay off my car. That's all yep. t- some of my student loans. That's all tax free cash going straight in the pockets. Oh, it's tax free. Oh, yeah, that's it's tax free. Oh shit, that that matters even more because it's a collection. So how it works is the the county puts up five hundred, and then. Uh, the businesses and stuff match it, so it it became it was started at five hundred, but it became a thousand. So it's about the same today, I'd imagine ten thousand dollars for any information. I, I see a, about that, about five thousand, ten thousand, unless it's a high profile case. Did you, you see the? You know what happened with the Astro World concert with um, oh god Travis Scott? Fucking give me started. That guy's such a fucking well, phony. I don't know the whole story, but he's being sued for two billion dollars. For what? That guy, that guy is so. I mean, what is with these fucking celebrities going on YouTube and making these apologies? Have you seen that apology? No. You can't get more phony than that. He's like rubbing his head. Oh man, I can't believe this happened. Oh, I'll pay for the funerals. No shit, you motherfucker. What like, happened? No, we don't have to ask you to do that. You're gonna. You have to do that anyway, motherfucker. So he was at a, a music festival, and what? I'm not 100 percent sure about what happened, but it was like pyrotechnics and went off. And don't get me started on this new wet ass pussy music, but this <laughs> rap shit, man, that they're listening to these days. It is nothing but fluff and a lot of effects and all this shit. Anyway, he had a bunch of lights that were going off and it caused seizures and shit like that. Oh. The lights, the flickering lights or whatever, caused some kind of mass seizure. I don't really know too much about it, but there was a big panic and everyone started bolting for the gate and like 10 people, five people died or some shit like that. I don't know. Because they were getting trampled. And then he gets on YouTube Oh my god, dude! You should see his. He's like, man, I can't believe this happened. He's like rubbing his head. Oh man, I'm like, motherfucker, you just don't even, don't even say anything. You, if 
you don't give a shit. You you will never give a shit. You know, yeah, you're going to pay for the fucking funerals. Obviously, you don't have a fucking choice. And you're going to get sued. That's called how it, how the world is. <laughs> but for $2 billion? Mm-hmm. <sighs> they should sue them for making shitty fucking music. And they should sue all the other fucking artists out there for making shitty fucking you're music. You're terrible. You're you not too fucking Tupac. terrible. Go, go away. Go away. Did you say they're not Tupac? Yes, she did. (laughs) I was gonna I was gonna let that go. You're gonna have a lot of biggie fans fucking unsubscribing to this. I'm just saying. Um, I like the West Coast. I like some Dr. Dre. What can I say? Nah, the best is the East Coast Atlanta shit. Young Ah. Jeezy. Oh, excuse me. I like Dr. Dre. It's just Jeezy now. Oh, okay. No young. What about the all the, the folks who were like Lil at some point? There's still the, Bow there's like a little but they're no longer Lil, they're just Bow Wow. There's like a little uh poopy or something now. Oh, I'm like that's Luna. Oh my god, you guys <laughs> Well the only reason I brought that up is because of the I was the, the amount of money you're talking about oh, in two the, billion dollars. Why would you even go to that shit anyway? It's fucking shitty music. Like, people listen to that crap. Would you ever go to that shit? Mm-mm. You know who nope. also is coming? Freaking Leonard Skinner. Who Who the fuck cares about that? What's a guitar? A guitar? Oh my god, my grandpa used to play guitar. Those things are still around? <laughs> where's all the titties? And the, where's, playing where's the vaginas <laughs> hanging out? And... You know, it's a vulva. What, you're not going <laughs> to orgasm on stage and secrete all over the oh! audience. <laughs> that's how it. do we that's even get the there? word? <laughs> anyway, how do we get there? I'm sorry. I feel you like brought this us is my there, fault. Yeah, I'm just, sorry. You randomly brought up that. No, it was related because of, we're talking about like how money is like the amount of money was crazy for back then. And could you imagine back then being sued for two billion dollars? They probably didn't even know what two billion dollars looked like back uh-uh. then. Uh-uh. This is not only known in his little pueblo. This is the murder of a, an influential man. He worked in the president's program, and not only that, two teenage girls brutally bludgeoned. Mm. You know. And not only that, a $10,000 reward, damn, that's like back then, that's like buying a private island or some shit. Well, yeah, especially because they're coming off the heels of the depression. True. That word right there gets around, I'm just going to say. And at that same time, there was another hunch. This time, this hunch come from Sheriff George Carroll, and he has his hunch in Cheyenne, Wyoming, in a different state. About the same case. Crazy. He pursued a, quote, feeble-minded vagrant at a train station. The sheriff pursues this guy, and he's a vagrant. The man was from Pueblo, the same town, so automatically he's the killer. He's got to be, right? He has got to be the killer. This is the guy that was in the funeral right here. Oh. His name is Frank Aguilar, if you want to describe him. Gaunt. Mm -hmm. I was going to use that word, too. No way. Yeah. What is gaunt? Like, very skinny. Skinny. Skin sunken in um, to his cheeks. High cheekbones sunken in, and he seems very thin, tall, with... He has a long neck. 
a long face. Well, I think his too. neck looks longer because he's so I'm basically malnourished. I mean, look at his, you can see his cheekbones. Yeah. Um, but then again, it's black and white. No, there's, no. there's definitely like, he's very thin. Mm-hmm. Um, dark hair. It looks like his ears are very it, uneven. I think he's tilting his head like, yo, what up, girl? I can't tell. I mean, tell. his right ear might be, might be a little bit higher than his left ear, but not. He's tilting his head, babe. I'm just saying it looks very ugly. You should go and just straighten it for him here. Boom. <laughs> Frank Aguilar, the authorities discovered, was definitely feeble-minded, end quote. Hmm. Now, this is the one at the funeral. This is the one at the train station. Now, the two sheriffs don't know anything about each other. They never met. But they both have the killer. So, even though Aguilar was feeble-minded, they think that he... They, they, they classify him as feeble-minded, which, in today's terms, would be someone with an intellectual disability mm-hmm. or mentally disabled. Um, they think that he has the wits about him to commit such a crime we're gonna we're gonna get into the the whole this whole case is a, a lot about feeble-mindedness and and some other stuff we're gonna go into and what they classified you know as um morons idiots all the terminology they use i'm gonna tell you exactly what it meant back there and how we got to it I was summoned to the telephone to talk with Sheriff George J. Carroll of Cheyenne, Wyoming. When I heard his words, I all but dropped the telephone receiver. Chief Grady, he said, we are holding a fellow here who says he killed little drain girl in your city. He's a nut. He can't even read or write. He's told us two or three different stories, but he seems to know all about the drain murder. And I wouldn't be surprised if he is the man you want. Hmm. Okay. You guys about to get pissed off real quick. The guy, oh, boy. the guy you're looking at right there, that's Joe Arity. You want to describe him? He's a good looking guy. Yeah. 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 Where Almost. do you think he's from? He's an immigrant. I'll give you that. Um, Ireland or England? What do you think? Um, I was gonna say like Arid Arity. Arity. Portugal. A r r i d y. Italy? You're not gonna you're not gonna believe where he's from because I, I didn't either. But his family he was born here, but his family were direct in, immigrants from Syria. Oh so, so at this time, which we're about to get into, there was a lot of immigration, man. This this story's all about immigration here. <laughs> a lot of it. But they were Mar- uh Maronite Christian. I don't I didn't look that up. I don't know what that is. Mennonite? Mennonite. No, Mar- it said Maronite. Oh, okay. It might be Mennonite or but the paper said Maronite. I never heard of that. But he is from uh Mount Lebanon. So he is Syrian descent right there. And okay. he is an immigrant. So his father and mother immigrated. Lemonade food is really good. Mm. Now I'm gonna read what the sheriff this is the conversation the sheriff had. He sees this boy get off the train there at the train station, and he this, this boy look feeble-minded here. I'm going to go question him. And this is what happens. Playing his hunch, Carol began questioning the youth as to his girlfriends in Pueblo. Then suddenly, he fired a vital question at his prisoner. 
If you like to go around with girls so much, why do you hurt them? Well, I didn't mean to. No, no. So Joe Arity is, he's got the mind, and I'm, we're going to talk later about this, but he's got the mind of what the psychiatrist would say between four and six years old, even now. So oh, very childish, playful, doesn't really know what's going on, like a four-year-old. Gotcha. Okay. If you like to go around with girls so much, why do you hurt them? Well, I didn't mean to, was the boy's reply. The prisoner gave his name as Joe Arity. His age is 21. He freely admitted that he escaped from Colorado home for mental defectiveness a few days earlier. And he as freely admitted that he had killed the two little girls in Pueblo. I did it for the meanness. He said, if they let me alone, I'll be good after this. <laughs> this. Very weird. That's from uh, one of those old newspapers. I did what, what do you guys for, think about that? I did it for the meanness. Yeah, that's mm. an interesting statement. But what Nicole read earlier is he changed his story four or five times. So let me tell you a little bit about Brendan Dassey. Oh, I meant. Uh, oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow. I mean, if you if you listen to that proverbial, the flip. freaking paper says he changed his story multiple times. You're about to see how the shit does not add up. No one called it on it because everyone is going to believe the sheriff what's going on. Everyone's just going to buy it because they want to see this murder solved. I don't know. It's weird to me. I guess I'd be the same way. Like I wouldn't. I got my own shit to go into. I don't know. Anyway. This is what he said happened. He said he goes in there. He was in Pueblo. He goes in there and he hits. Well, first he he turns the light on so he can see. Wait, the light was off. Okay, that's just one inconsistency, right? Mm -hmm. So he didn't he didn't turn the light on. The light was off. Someone turned it off. But he says he turned the light on. Then he says he has a club with him. And he goes into the girl's room. But then he later recants and says, oh, wait, no, I had a hatchet with me. Okay, I had a hatchet with me. And this is confession, right? Oh, uh, this isn't anything like a forced confession or anything. No, this is, this is him knowing, exa <laughs> oh, no. knowing exactly what he did a week ago. Okay. And then he goes back to his parents' house and he buries the hatchet between the house and and the barn. But they got the hatchet at Frank Aguilar's house. In the firewood. In the firewood, right? Now, keep in mind, the two sheriffs are not going to talk. They're going to try to keep this silent until they figure out how to make it work. You're about to see it. But they, they don't want to come out in the public and say, we got the killer. And then this guy's like, we got the killer. It's like, okay, let's just hold on a second. Let's figure this out. You know, there's a thousand dollars here, man. He says, Joe Arity says he goes back to his parents' house and he buries the hatchet between the house and the barn. Okay. Now, they Why did... were the house and the barn arguing? What? What? <laughs> he says he goes to his parents' house and he buries the hatchet between the house and the barn. They did go to the parents' house. Well, the parents don't have a barn, but... Okay, they don't have a barn, so Close where'd you enough. where'd you bury it? Oh wait, no, I, I hit it. I hit it in a haystack. Okay, well they don't have a haystack either, but we'll we'll get to that later. The he says his mother had hit him in the attic 
for eight days after she beat the shit out of him. Now, this is from the book. It says, quote, almost all of Joe's statements in the early confession were proved false within the next few days. Sheriff Carroll also claimed that at no time did he find Joe a, quote, suggestible person. One who would try to please an authority figure by giving the answers he thought the sheriff wanted to hear, end quote. That's crazy. You know, when, I, when I saw that right there, because they don't know what false confessions are, but they do know what suggestible is. He says, right. oh, he's not a suggestible person. So why were false confessions like, why are we still having a problem with that? Even though back then they knew what suggestibility was. They knew that they would make a false. It's the same thing. Suggestibility right. is basically a false confession. I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. I don't know if I would say it's the same as a, a false confession. If you're suggestible, you're more likely to give a false confession. But that doesn't guarantee that it's a false confession. But false I see what you're saying. The sheriff takes Joe to his parents' house. You know, the one where he was locked up in the attic for eight days. They were real happy to see him. Joe was real happy to see his mom. I mean, it's been six years since they've seen each other. Six years wow. since they've seen each other. Wow. So... This was at 1604 Cedar Street, and I'm not going to get into this, but they moved a lot. That's, I guess, what people did, move houses all the time back then, whatever. What I'm trying to say is there's no way Joe could even know the address. In fact, he gave an address that was completely wrong of his parents' house. They actually had to find him, the actual parents' house, that he hid in the basement in, air quotes there, the parents are like, oh, my God, Joe, it's so good to see you. It's been six years, six years. All right. There was an attic, but it had been boarded up and it was undisturbed for years. So the attic that they hit him in after they beat him. You guys see what I'm saying here? This guy did not fucking do it. Right. Okay. I'm with you. <laughs> they got the attic undisturbed for years. It was boarded up. Plus, it was completely dusty. And you'd know if someone was sleeping in there, right? There would be, you know, big patches in the dust. The mom, dad, and his brother and sister said they have not spoken to him in six years. Not only that, but in the confession, Joe, because at the time the sheriff sees him at the train station, he doesn't know the murder's solved or whatever, because they're still kind of keeping it under wraps, trying to get a confession out of Frank Aguilar. Mm -hmm. So this sheriff doesn't know anything. He thought he got the winner here. At no time during the confession does he mention a second person especially a frank aguilar at no time no time and i feel like that's a pretty fucking important thing and there's there's a a law enforcement officer i can't remember i think i was looking this up somewhere anyway there was a, a police officer said that it is, is extremely rare to see a sex crime invasion with more than one person which makes sense. Totally. Sex is like, you know, rape is still intimate. You, you're you not going to go in there just to do that with multiple people. Multiple people. Unless it's a gang rape. But yeah, it, like, yeah. Yeah. Like initiation thing or whatever. Uh, well, I mean, the <clears throat> initiations don't always include gang rapes. All right. So before we go any further now, these both of these both of these men are looking at death, death penalty. Both are feeble minded. Very low IQ. Joe Arity, for example, has an IQ of 46. Wow. That's low. That is, yeah, it's real low. I mean, mine's like 66, right? I don't know. I have not taken an IQ test. I don't know how that shit works. Well, the average is 100. 
What was Einstein? One forty. I think one forty is a genius. So he must have been above one forty. <laughs> I don't know. All right. I'd like to know where mine is. Same. Now we have a. Now we're in a pickle. We got two sheriffs. Both want the reward money. They both now know each other. They both can't be right. The public's not going to buy that shit. And they also can neither be right. I know. Okay, that's a good point. So if that's a really good point. So if one of them is, let's take Frank Aguilar in Pueblo. You got him. Let's let's put him to death. I got him. Where's my reward money? But then the media is like, whoa, why is this guy say he has the killer? That actually makes me doubt your statement. Mm -hmm. So, you know what I'm saying? So Mm. it's a very fine balance they're about to play here. With these two feeble-minded folk. Yep. <laughs> to try to... Let's see how we can weave this thing together. And while we're at it, let's up the reward to $2,000. Because... Totes. I mean, if both sheriffs are going to get... You don't want to split that shit down the middle. You want both no, sheriffs to get not. their fucking equal pay, right? Yeah. All right, guys. We're going to cut it here today. Uh, on part two, we are going to meet Joe Arity, who is the happiest inmate on death row. And John's going to talk about the real reason why Joe Arity was on death row. A reason that's so much different than what you would think. Also, be sure to head to talkmurder.com and leave us comments on the blog post so that you can get entered in to win this week's Amazon gift card. <laughs>